0: Welcome to the Keystone Church podcast. Keystone Church is located in Keller, Texas in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, let's prepare our hearts for this week's message. Hey, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Genesis chapter six. You can go ahead and turn those on. Who's Who's got an old school Bible? Let me see them. Those are my favorite. Put them in the air like you just do care. Come on. I love it. Genesis chapter six, we're gonna start in verse eight. As you turn, I uh, just wanna show you some photos of my family. Statistics say you'll listen to me longer if I do that, so I'm just gonna do it. Uh, my name's Noah, 28 years old. Gave my life to Jesus in a college dorm room when I was 20. Uh, I've been following Jesus for eight years now. Absolutely changed my life. Uh, that was the best moment of my life. The second best moment of my life was when uh, Madison Heron married me uh, four years ago. I have a photo of my wife. Everybody say, all. This is my amazing wife, Maddie. She is the most like Jesus person that I've ever met. If you're single and you're looking for a spouse, just marry the person that looks the most like Jesus and it'll work out great for you. Uh, that, it's worked out great for me. We celebrated four years last week at a youth camp. Come on. If that's not romantic, I don't know what is. She's from Alabama. Anybody from Alabama? Oh, let's go. Do you guys have Southern accents? Yep, a little bit. Uh, My wife, when she talks, it sounds like it should come with a a side of mashed potatoes and gravy, you know? And uh, she's incredible. We have a a 18-month-old son named Lion. I think we have a photo of Lion. Come on, that's a cute kid right there. Uh, We've invited more people to be a part of our church because of that smile than any strategy that we've had so far. It's working, we just walk around, poor kid. We're like, hey, say hey to my kid, you know? (laughs) Like, talk to him for a second. Um, And uh, just a couple weeks ago, we uh, welcomed a baby girl into our family. She's six weeks old. Her name is Mila. Something happens when I had a baby girl. Like I love my baby boy, but there was this switch that flipped the moment I held her. Like I started researching Rottweilers. Like we, we went out to eat for the first time after we left the hospital and, and like there was a one-year-old that was sitting in the booth next to us who kept looking at the baby and I was like, you better turn around, you know, like... <laughs> Just like something happened. And so, uh, man, our family is, is so blessed. We're in such a fun season planting Way Church, as, as Pastor Brandon said, in, in Nashville. We're right there in the heart of Nashville. Uh, Nashville's like a cousin to Texas. You guys uh, got the real cowboy hats. We kind of got the fake ones, but we're, just, we're trying to be like Texas so so bad. And uh, if you're ever in Nashville, we'd love for you to come visit Keystone East. We, uh, we got a ways to go. But um, man, I I pray, I pray that our church uh, could make a fraction of the impact that this church has made the last 19 years, truly. Um, And uh, it is just such a blessing to be here. Genesis chapter six, verse eight, my favorite scripture, my favorite verse in the Bible. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. (laughs) That's, it's in there. I didn't make it up. That's a real scripture. That's a word for somebody. All right, uh, verse 11, we'll be verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm gonna put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both of them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 wide, and 30 high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark. Make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm gonna bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male, female, and keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You're to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. This is my favorite part, verse 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I can't think of a better legacy than to get to the end of our life and for people to look at our life and go, that's somebody that did everything God commanded them to do. Can't think of a better, a better legacy. I, I cannot think of one thing I would rather people say about me on my celebration of life service when I'm 101 with 37 great-grandkids <laughs> than they did everything God commanded him to do. I love preaching God's word. Uh, I love preaching it to people who preach it back. You can say, Amen, Hallelujah, preach a white boy, wh- whatever you want to say. <laughs> you can say it. And uh, if you hear something you don't like, just email me at Pastor Jody at uh, I'll respond to every email that I get. Can we pray? God, thank you for these moments. Thank you so much for your word. We're so grateful we get to worship with friends and family this morning. I pray that you'd speak to us in a very real way, a very practical way. God, I pray that when we leave here, we would know we didn't have an encounter uh, with an amazing worship team or amazing uh, team members. God, we had an encounter with the God of the universe. That's our prayer. We love you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. So uh, saying I love you for the first time is a nerve-wracking experience, And when I met Maddie, her her name was Maddie Perry, and when I met Maddie Perry, I knew within about 10 minutes I wanted to make her Maddie Heron. I'm just going to be real with you. Uh, I'd been praying for Maddie Perry to walk in the door for a long time, and when she did, I knew that this was the girl for me. And so a couple months into dating, I wanted to tell her that I loved her, but I would get super nervous whenever I would go to do it. Uh, I remember one time specifically, I was at her parents' house visiting in Alabama, and she was in the living room by herself, and I was like, this is my time, I'm going to go tell her. I walk into the living room, I say, Maddie, i got to tell you something. She said, tell me right now. I said, you're out of toilet paper in the bathroom, (laughs) because I would just get so nervous. And so something happened about three months into dating. We had this uh, really tight friend group that would hang out regularly on the weekends, and One of our friends found a Groupon on the internet to where we could all go to Hawaii for $450 for six days. I mean, literally, how do you say no to that? I was, we're all canceling every plan that we had. We go on this spur of the moment trip to Hawaii. Obviously, this is pre-bills, pre-kids, all of the things that keep you from doing something like that. So we go, and uh, it was incredible. I, I remember just thinking, this is my moment. You know, this is, what an what a incredible place to take. Tell the woman that you love, that you love her for the first time. Like, I literally couldn't think of a better place. I was picturing me surfing up on a surfboard. You know what I mean? Coconuts in both hands, you know, like hair blowing in the wind. Like, there's way too much hairspray in your hair, bro. It doesn't blow in the wind. Okay, all right, all right. So uh, this is what I'm picturing. And uh, we get there the second morning, I'm asleep on a little pullout couch in the living room. And on the other side of the Airbnb at about five o'clock in the morning, I hear the the sliding glass door open and it scared me. I I was like, are we being robbed? You know, what's happening? So I jump out of uh, the little pullout couch and I run to the other side of the Airbnb. And sure enough, there's Maddie and she's walking out towards the ocean. So I run out after and she tells me that uh, the fish that we had had for dinner didn't, the night before didn't sit well with her stomach and, and she needed to get some fresh air. And it was like I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, this is your time. So I grab her by the hand, we start walking down the beach together. And I mean, it could not have been more beautiful, like like orange and pink and blue skies, the birds are waking up, we're in Hawaii. And and so we walk to the edge of the beach, I grab her by both hands, I look into her beautiful blue eyes, and I say, Maddie, I love you. Just felt amazing. I thought you were gonna clap there. It's okay. It felt amazing. (laughs) It's great. Felt amazing. And Maddie, she she squeezed both of my hands and she looked back into my kind of average brown eyes. And she said, Noah, I think I'm gonna throw up. And she ran to the bushes. Welcome to my life. I tell you that story because right now we are in the best season of our life. We, we really are. I mean, church planting is hard, but this is our dream. Like, like this has been something that I, I've been praying about. I've been looking forward to since I was 21 years old. Uh, we're married. Our marriage is healthy. We, we have date night every week. Like, like, we have two little babies that are beautiful. Like, like, we are, this is the best season of our life. I don't tell you that to, to like brag about it, although I, I'm very excited about it. I, t- I tell you that because not every season has looked like this season. And I know that there are going to be seasons that are coming that are gonna be much more difficult. And I think with social media and the age that we live in, a lot of times what we can be guilty of is we can look at people's good season and totally just disregard how many seasons it took to get to that good season. It's easy to see the dream and it's hard sometimes to see all of the hard stuff behind the scenes. And I think the story of Noah in the Bible is one of the ultimate stories of that situation where we read the story of Noah to our kids at night. It's like this cute little amazing story. It's like a perfect story to talk about at Keystone Kids. It's like, man, God spoke to Noah. He said, build a boat. Noah did it. Thank the Lord, he remembered Labrador retrievers. They floated on the flood. Now we have all the animals. Why? Because Noah was faithful and it's cute and it's tidy and it's easy. But when you look at the story of Noah beneath the surface, what you see is not an easy story. What you see is a hard story. Most Bible scholars believe that Noah spent around 120 years building the ark, 120 years. Can you imagine doing anything for 120 years? I mean, it's, it's hard for me to do something for 120 days. Like, like every January for, for about a decade now, I've said I'm gonna do the same thing. Every January for a decade, I'm like, I'm gonna get ripped this year. <laughs> I am gonna be shredded uh, for about two weeks, I'm on the path, man. I'm eating grass. I'm working out. <laughs> I'm in the gym. I'm getting my head in the game like Zac Efron. <laughs> and then around week three, I'm back at Chick-fil-A. I'm just, I'm going to be real with you. I'm back. I, it's just, it's hard, right? This is what I've learned. Starting things is easy, but finishing things is hard. Starting things is easy, and why this matters to us this morning is because finishing things is biblical. When we read the Bible, we see God calling people to start, but more than that, we see God calling people to finish. This is what I want to talk to you about this morning, because the story of Noah is about a man who started something, but more than anything, the story of Noah is about a man who finished It's about a man whose entire perception, his entire measurement of success was the same measurement of success that God had, and that is faithfulness. To Noah, it was just, I just have to build the boat. I just have to build the boat. That's the title of my talk this morning. What does it look like in our life to build the boat? Recently, I came across this article in the New York Times that talked about um, some research that they had done on millennials and Gen Z, which I'm kind of like right in the middle of those two generations. And so it, it caught my, my eye. And basically the research said this, it said that the average millennial or Gen Z adult will hold 14 different full-time jobs by the age of 33, 34 years old. 14 different full-time jobs. And the premise of this article, like, or the point of this article, was not to like, bash Gen Z or millennials or say that that was good or bad. It was just presenting the fact that as a human race, like, as human beings, we have never been more in love with opportunities. If there's a better opportunity, we're going to take it. If there's an opportunity to make more money, if there's an opportunity for for more success in the eyes of our peers, if there's an opportunity to climb the ladder, we will go for it unlike any other time in the world. The problem with that comes when that starts to creep into us as followers of Jesus. When it goes from being something that's about external to being something that becomes internal spiritually. When we become about the next best opportunity spiritually, what we actually are doing is we are limiting the glory of God moving in our life. Here's why, because God does not give opportunities, God gives assignments. And there is a big difference between an opportunity and an assignment. An opportunity might be all about you, but your assignment will be all about God. An opportunity might be full of hype for a season, but your assignment will give you fulfillment your entire life. An opportunity might please man, your assignment will please God. I came to tell somebody at Keystone Church, 11 o'clock service, that today is not the day to give up on your God-given assignment for another man-made opportunity. When we get to heaven one day, God is not gonna say, well done, my good and famous servant. He's not gonna say, well done, my good and rich servant. He's not gonna say, well done, my good and you were really successful servant. No, 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 the words that we are yearning as followers of Christ to hear is well done, my good and faithful servant. It's faithfulness that we're after. It's faithfulness that's success as a follower of Jesus. It is faithfulness that gets us to the end of our life and people are able to say they did everything that God commanded them to do. What a testimony, one of my favorite scriptures is Galatians chapter six, verse nine. It says, do not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What I love about that is the harvest is not dependent on me being great. The harvest is simply dependent on me being faithful. The harvest is not dependent on on me being special. The harvest is dependent on God being special and me just being there. We'll see a harvest in our life if we will just keep building the boat. When I was about five years old, uh, my parents signed me up for, for T-ball and uh, it's my first time playing organized sports. Um, it was almost the last time because uh, my coach couldn't see the specialness inside of me the way that I could. <laughs> so. At five years old, he put me in right field, which I don't know if you've been to many five-year-old t-ball games. Not a lot of action happening in right field. So a couple games into the season, I'm complaining to my mom, saying, I wanna quit, I wanna play soccer or some other sport that that has more action. And I remember her just encouraging me, like, don't quit. I'm so glad I didn't quit at the third game because that was when the snow cone truck started coming to our games. (laughs) I mean, I, I went from like just being so down on baseball to being so in, all because of the snow cones. Uh, I, I've always struggled with attention. And so uh, I would be like out in right field, just like, th- like throwing my glove up in the air, like during the game. And uh, my coach would try to get me re-engaged. So he'd ask me questions. He'd be like, how many outs are there? And I'd be like, grape, <laughs> I want the grape one coach. You know, I just like, I was so ready for the snow cone. So we get to the last game of the season. It was a five-game season. We get to the fifth game, and um, this guy, this little five-year-old, gets up there and really gets a hold of of the baseball. And by really getting a hold of it, I mean it like rolled into right field very slowly. Okay? And so everyone looks to right field. Everyone's screaming and yelling, like this is Noah's moment. And they look into right field, and there was no right fielder because the right fielder in the third inning had walked around the gate and was standing in the snow cone line. 100% true story. My uh, mom was telling that story to my wife uh, not too long ago, just just telling her about it and we're laughing. She's getting out the photos that we took and a little five-year-old Noah with the baseball bat, you probably have a, a photo similar. And uh, she's telling my wife that story, but, but man, it just hit me so powerfully in a spiritual way because I thought, man, how many times does that story represent our relationship with God? Where God puts us in a position for a specific purpose. He calls us to a place and we know it was God when he calls us. But then when reality doesn't match our expectation, we start to question. And we start to go, oh, is this, was this really God that said this? Was this really what I'm supposed to do? And the thing we were so clear about, the thing that, that we, we moved on a dime when God spoke it, we're now questioning. And so what happens in many people's lives is, is it gets right to the point where the very thing they've been praying for, the very thing they've been fasting for, the very thing that they moved for, the very thing that, that they jumped all in for is about to happen but because our timeline isn't always the same as God's timeline, people move right as it shows up. Maybe what we need today It's not a position change. Maybe you walked in and you're you're discouraged. You're on empty. You're not seeing what you thought you were going to see in your family or in your job or or in your calling or whatever it is, and you're discouraged. And maybe the word for you today is, I don't need a position change. I need a perspective change. God, it's you that called me. It's you that's going to do it. I'm not giving up. I'm digging in. I'm doubling down on prayer. I'm doubling down on fasting. Results aren't going to change my expectation because I serve a big God, I serve a faithful God, and I am going to build the boat. I'm going to build the boat. I mean, think about, think about Noah and his family. Uh, my wife gives me a hard time. I'm super dramatic, and I, I'm always thinking about stories in the Bible as, as Netflix shows, okay? Just bear with me for a second. Um, I think the story of Noah would be the greatest Netflix show ever. Imagine season one, okay? Season one, episode one. Noah comes in to the dinner table, walks up to his wife. Hey babe, quit my job today. Noah's wife is like, really? I'm just gonna call her Sheila. I can't remember her name. We'll call her Sheila. Sheila's like, really? Why'd you do that? I'm gonna build a boat. <coughs> Tough crowd. All right. <laughs> she Sheila's like, is it gonna be a fishing boat? Are you gonna catch fish? Is that how we're gonna pay the bills? Noah's like, think more carnival cruise ship. <laughs> okay. All, the, all the, the married guys in the room, let's just imagine that combo went swimmingly. Like, that was just amazing. Like, just a great combo, went great. What about year 10? You know what I mean? What about 10 years of being in the woods by yourself building a cruise ship for animals? Can you imagine that dinner conversation? Uh, Noah, uh, you know the parties with the neighbors we used to get invited to with the tea and the crumpets? Now they're British, it's a British Netflix show, just go with it, (laughs) go with it. You know those parties we used to get invited to? We We don't get invited to them anymore because they think we're crazy. And it's just, I just gotta keep building the boat. What about year 20, You're 30, You're 40? I can just like hear, like, like hear me. I'm, I don't have a scripture to reference. I'm just using like my imagination to think about what this would be like, like 40 years building a boat. I just imagine the discouragement that had to come with that. No sign of flood. No, no sign of God showing up yet. Just one word 40 years ago. I just hear the people in the town, Noah, you crazy old man, your kids are grown. You wasted their childhood for what? To, to build a boat? And Noah's just... It's what God told me to do. Year 50, year 60, I think about the fact that the Bible tells us that Noah's family was was the only family that God found to be righteous. So we can infer that nobody was writing news articles about Noah's faithfulness. Nobody was donating to Noah's faithfulness. Nobody was celebrating Noah's faithfulness. Nobody was tagging him in social media posts about his faithfulness. That convicts me so strongly because a lot of times I need people to celebrate my faithfulness. I crave people to celebrate my faithfulness, to see my faithfulness. And if we need people to celebrate us in order for us to be faithful, we just won't end faithful. But Noah, you just, I gotta keep building the boat. Maybe you're here and you're like, you're very confused right now. You're like, is this guy about to try to sell me a boat? Like I'm like very. The boat is, is what has God asked you to do? What has he called you to do? There's two things I know about boats with God. Number one, he doesn't build mediocre boats. That God actually Wants you to have to rely on him to build the boat in your life. And if it's a boat that you could build on your own, it might be something that you're called to, but it's not the assignment. Because if it's something that we could get the credit for, it's not big enough. And big doesn't mean big like we think big all the time, it doesn't necessarily mean a number or a dollar sign or X amount of employees for your business. No, no, no. Big is, is eternal impact. Big is generational impact. It's why? why we started talking about the generations of this church, because this, this is big right here. What's happening here is big. God doesn't build mediocre boats, but but also he has called each of us to build a boat. And so for you, you might be here and you might be single today, and you really want to be in a relationship. I mean, some of my favorite people in the world are single people in worship because they'll be like worshiping and like, I love Jesus. But also there is a bunch of empty space on my left hand right here. I just want everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like like some of y'all are laughing, it's you, like we see you. Or maybe you're like so excited to get into a relationship and maybe the boat God's calling you to build is the boat of singleness and putting him on the throne of your heart and not a relationship. And he wants you to fall in love with him and be in love with him before you step into a marriage. Maybe you're here and you in the boat God's asking you to build is the boat of your marriage. That was a, that was a much easier boat to build on year four. Fully not going to preach a sermon on marriage year four, okay? But, it, but maybe it was really easy to build that boat year four. It was easy to make time for date night year four. But maybe at year 14 or year 24 or year 34, date night's gone away. Maybe that intentional time together has gone away. And maybe the whole point of you coming to Keystone today was for God to remind you that that is a boat that is worth building. And it's time to pick back up the hammer and to build the boat. Maybe for you, the boat God's calling you to build is Keystone Church. Pastor Brandon did not ask me to say this. But maybe this is the boat. Maybe you've been coming and you're like, man, this is amazing. You you feel the Spirit of God. You you've been receiving, you love the worship, you love, you love how when you walk into the lobby, it looks like something chip and Joanna Gaines built. I mean, this place is wild. But maybe today it's time to stop just receiving and to start giving. It's to go, hey, hey, Pastor Brandon, where can you put me? How can I serve? Do do you need kids volunteers? Do do you need people serving as an usher? Do you need people on the cameras? Do do you need people more people in worship? Like, Like, how can I start building? Maybe it's building financially. It's like, hey, this is all amazing. How did it get here? It gave because there's hundreds and hundreds of people who were sewing into this house with their tithes. And maybe today it's time for you to go, you know what, I'm gonna start building. I'm gonna start building this boat. God's called you to build a boat. It's bigger than you think. One of my favorite quotes is from Albert Einstein, one of the smartest people ever. He said, it, the, his words, I'm not, it's not that I'm the smartest. I just tend to stick with problems a little longer than the person beside me. When I think about what life as a follower of Jesus should look like, I think we should be people who stick with problems. Why? Why? not because that's just a cool thing to do or because that's inspiring no 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 i think we should stick with problems because when we look at the life of jesus we see a person who's stuck with problems we see a, a person that while we were still sinners walked to a cross and paid the price for your sin and my sin knowing that 2000 years, years later there'd be a mess up like me who would accept jesus and continue to mess up who would accept jesus and continue to fall short and jesus said i'm going to stick with that problem i'm going to stay with that problem i'm going to sanctify that problem I'm going to continue to mold that problem into my image. This is the example of Jesus in our life. He was a problem sticker with her. (laughs) Will you build the boat? I want to close with this. Um, You know, we're we're, we're building a boat in Nashville that, uh, I mean, by the day, we're like, feels like we're going like this with holes in the boat, just trying, we're we're full of faith. Literally this week, we lost our venue. We launched in eight weeks and we had to have an uh, emergency team meeting, and, and some of our team is here, uh, Dylan and Maggie Soller, who are, were a part of this house. Yeah. Um, absolutely incredible people. Uh, Peyton, who's down here on the front, who traveled with me. Uh, we just have an incredible team, and we had this emergency meeting this week because we, we lost our venue. And uh, it, we're in the middle of a boat being built. I believe it. And um, I I don't think that it's an accident that God asked me to speak this message on this week um, because he's gonna build that boat, but we're in the process of it being built. But I wanna share just a story uh, of a family member of mine that watched God come through in this way. So I have a little sister, her name's Carson, And if you were ever around Carson, you would never wanna hang out with me. She is cooler. She is more like Jesus. She is just incredible. She's a world changer. Um, She's 22 years old right now, but when she was 14, she went to Nicaragua on a missions trip. And while she was there, God radically changed her life. And she felt like God called her to build a boat and to become a full-time missionary to Nicaragua. And so she comes back at 14 years old, and that summer taught herself how to speak fluent Spanish through YouTube University. And so teaches herself how to speak fluent Spanish. By the time she was 16 years old, she started leading four trips a year of adults to Nicaragua. Uh, 50, 60, 70 people at a time. She would teach... In Spanish, she would translate in Spanish. She would organize the trip. She's a part of an organization that feeds 15,000 kids a day in Nicaragua who would not eat otherwise. I mean, just like incredible. And she gets to her senior year of high school and she had heard about this, this college called Emmanuel College that specialized in a bunch of different ministry training. But one of the programs that they're really good at is training and equipping missionaries to go overseas. And so she hears about this college, and she's like, I got to go there. I feel like this is a part of the boat God's asked me to build. She tells my parents. My parents start researching Emanuel College. And they find out that Emanuel costs $40,000 a year to go to school there. And so my parents were like, are you sure you heard from the Lord? Because, uh, you know, like my parents are pastors and, and, and uh and we've always been blessed, but like, man, we've been poor, you know what I'm saying? Like there've been times we've, we've walked by the pond and the ducks have thrown bread at us. Like that's <laughs> just one of those things. And so my parents, they, they made an agreement with my sister. They said, Carson, you can go to Emmanuel if God provides a scholarship. That'll be like, kind of like going, talking Old Testament story of Gideon. That'll be like the fleece before the Lord. And, and let's see you know, if God, God will provide in this way. And so uh, my little sister's like, oh, he's got me. Like, she's so like, n- just ridiculous. She's like, oh, he's got me. And so gets to the end, end of her senior year and $0 in scholarship money had come in. And it's the day before she's supposed to go to the school to pick out classes. It's like college visitation day for incoming freshmen. And she's supposed to meet professors and they're having this big event. And so my parents are sitting at the dinner table at at my parents' house with her. And they say, Carson, no scholarship money has come in. You're gonna have to come up with a plan B. You're gonna have to apply somewhere else. And my little sister, she gets super stubborn. She pushes her food to the center of the table. And she said, my entire life, you've told me that faith doesn't require a plan B. And now you're telling me something different. She said, can I please be excused from the dinner table? My parents were like, do we ground her? (laughs) So my parents tell the story. They, They, my sister goes upstairs into her room and they hear my sister weeping in her room. She's just crying and she cries for about five minutes. And then all of a sudden they start hearing her sing that song, Waymaker. Waymaker, Miracle Worker. I'm gonna mess up the lyrics, but that's the song. Start singing it. My parents are downstairs. They start singing it. They start praying. The next day she goes to college visitation day, has an amazing time. She's been there for a few hours. Someone comes up to her like, hey, is your name Carson? She says, yes. This girl, student worker for one of the professors is like, hey, someone needs to talk to you, follow me. Carson goes into the office building of Emanuel College, finds herself in the president of Emanuel College's office. He's talking to my dad. He's talking to her. And he says, hey, will you sit down for a second? I sit down. He says, this is going to sound crazy. But last night around dinner time, he said, one of the biggest donors that our school has ever had was at dinner with his wife in their living room and said that the Holy Spirit interrupted their conversation to the point where they couldn't even talk and told him that he was supposed to give money to our tuition fund for a missionary to a Spanish-speaking country to come to our school for four years. He said, I checked the entire list. There's like 350 incoming freshmen. You are the only person on the entire list that fits that description. Would you like to come to Emmanuel College. My little sister looked at my dad and said, I told you. This is what I know about God. When God calls you to build something, and you say yes, it's not you who does the heavy lifting, it is God who does the heavy lifting. If you're here today and you're like, I don't know how I can keep fighting this battle, let me remind you that the battle is not yours to fight. Exodus 14, 14, you don't have to fight the battle, you just have to be still. If you're here and you're like, I don't know if I can go another day, the discouragement, the the lack of, of hope that's in my heart right now, it's real. Let me remind you, Romans 8:31. if God is for me, who can be against me? If you're here and you're like, I'm too broken, I'm too dirty, I'm have made too many mistakes. 2 Corinthians five twenty one. he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become right with God over and over and over again in the Bible. We can be faithful, not because we're great. We can be faithful because he's great. We can be faithful because he's faithful. We can be faithful because God's not done and God wants to move in your life. Will you stand with me? I'd love to do this. If you're here today and you just say, hey, I just wanna build the boat, simple response. Will you just stretch your hands this way and let me pray with you? I I wanna build the boat. I wanna do something that only God can get the credit for. I wanna be faithful. God, thank you so much for all of these people in this room who are making this declaration. God, we know that we can't do this on our own. We we don't wanna do this on our own. God, if we're gonna end faithful, we're gonna need your Holy Spirit. We're gonna need you to move in our life. We're gonna need you to give us, give us encouragement where there was discouragement. We're gonna need boldness. We're gonna need courage. So God, I pray for all of those things and more, God, that, that the fruits of the Spirit would be evident in our life, that we would, that we would run and not grow weary. God, that, that, we would not, that we would walk and not grow faint. God, that we would soar on wings like eagles not because of our ability, God, but because of your spirit that's inside of us. God, I pray for somebody who walked in here wanting to quit, God, that today you would allow them, you would empower them to pick back up the hammer and continue to build the boat. God, we don't wanna move until you tell us to move. We don't wanna leave until you tell us to leave. So God, help us be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Help us see the hand of your hand in our life. God, we love you and we worship you and we give you all the glory from our life. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Hey, I wanna do one more thing. I want to do one more thing. I just I felt the Holy Spirit say to do this in the first service and three people raised their hand. Can everybody just close their eyes one more time? If you're here and you're like, hey, I don't really know about boats. I don't really know about Noah, but this Jesus guy that you're talking about sounds pretty great. If you're here and you'd like to start a relationship with Jesus today, if that's you, will you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with? Will you raise it and keep it up so I know who I'm praying with? Thank you. Will you raise it? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, that's amazing, it's amazing. This is what we're gonna do. There's at least five, six hands that just went up and uh, I wanna pray with them. So we're all gonna pray this prayer. I'm just gonna have you repeat after me if if you raise this hand and, and everybody else too. But I wanna just say, it's not repeating this prayer that has power, it's believing this prayer that has power. Uh, The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so the words that we're gonna say, they don't get us into heaven. It's our belief in the words that we're gonna say that get us into heaven. And so, uh, man, this is the honor of my life to get to pray this with you. Uh, Can we all pray this together? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for paying the penalty of my sin. The ones I remember, and the ones that I don't. I accept your grace and your forgiveness and your freedom. I wanna know you, I wanna follow you. Be Lord of my life, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we praise God this morning for a bunch of people who made the best decision of their life? Come on, can we worship God? If you feel comfortable, can you lift your hands? We're just going to sing one more time and begin to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Keystone Church, please visit us at keystonechurch.com.